Glass Tire, and I'm here with Neil Farso for Glass Tire. We are a visual art magazine that covers art throughout all of Texas. It's not usual for us to do film festivals, but we wanted to do this one. And we are sitting here with Brian Eb Emond? Emond? E Emond. Emond. Yeah. With Brian Emond, who is the writer of, what would you say, mockumentary? Yeah, I want to say mockumentary. I think that's the most apt title. If anyone believes it's actually Vice, then I'm just going to say it's a real documentary. <laughs> if anyone out there It's a real Vice documentary, <laughs> yeah. It's called Vice Guide to Bigfoot. Yes. Um, so is it debuting here? Yes, yes. This is a world premiere. Um, we were really excited. We applied to several festivals. Austin was one of the most prestigious ones that we got into, and right away we were like, yeah, this is a great fit. And it screens tonight? Yeah, it screens tonight at the Alamo Draft House. Yeah, I'm really excited. We actually have an actor who starred in it, and uh, Jeff, who you saw, the, the, the guy who plays the Bigfoot, the mm -hmm. cryptid hunter in it, he hasn't seen any edits of the film at all since we shot it about a year and a half ago. So when he walks into the theater tonight, he's going to be seeing it for the very first time. Where does he live? So he flew in for this? Yeah, so he, we actually, we all met doing, we met doing stand-up comedy years and years ago. And then we started working together, and then Jeff was one of the actors that we worked with when we did a sketch group in Atlanta. We did video sketches every month, and they were this sort of platform for people to like also submit their stuff. So just wanted to give artists deadlines and whatnot. And Jeff was an actor in a lot of our sketches. And when we wrote the script, we were like, oh, we could do a cryptid, but it, there's no way it's not Jeff. Like, this guy just absolutely matches the feel of what we want. It's, there's no other voice for this. So he moved away, but we got him to come back for a couple weeks just to film it. Oh, nice. Which, which is awesome. So let's talk about, about Vice, yes. <laughs> actually. So yeah, I actually thought when I first started watching that that it was a real Vice documentary for a okay. little bit, for a few minutes <laughs> okay. before I, I realized it was a mockumentary, which I, so good job on that, that okay. nailing the aesthetic of the Vice documentary. So what is it about Vice documentaries that you guys saw that was ripe for kind of satirizing, mocking, etc. you know, because it's definitely a, a ripe area, you know, documentary yes. now does it. There's definitely an identifiable vice style that I think people are pretty familiar with. Yeah. What, what is it about that that you find worthy of, of satire and sort of doing this send-up of it? I guess, uh, well, one, it's, it's, it's too easy with Vice. Yeah. Vice, you type in Helvetica, and then you put it on a white background, and people are like, that really looks like Vice. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that should not be all you have to do to perfectly imitate a brand. But I think part of it came from like the jobs that Zach and I had had in like our various, like in our day jobs. Um, sometimes you get to a place in your job where you're like, this is a cool job at a cool place. I really like this. I'm in the place where I thought I wanted to be. And then a few months go by, maybe a few years go by, and you're like, this is not the dream. This is not what I was hoping it would be. And you just sort of get this, I don't know, a sadness, a sort of like, my dreams are gone. And we had already done a vice sketch because we had done this sort of, this whole droll thing where I was walking around and I'm just a vice reporter who doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm just walking around being like, but what's the story actually about? Because I don't know. <laughs> and like, that was the entire sketch. And then we were like, we could do, we could do a whole movie of that. And all you have to do to imitate fights is use the Sony, the same, I'm not gonna say the camera, to use the same <laughs> camera as them, which is, um, which actually our one of our producers that we brought on, I was, while we were shooting, I was like, how do you, he's like, this will look exactly like Vice. And I was like, but how would you know? 
how are you so certain that it's going to look exactly like what Vice would do? He's like, well, I was working with Vice two days ago, so. Oh, <laughs> so there's a there's a scene in the movie early on when your character it comes down the stairs. He's got coffee for his camera guy, and he's excited because he thinks he's about to be promoted. Yes. yes. And so talk, these kind of dead end jobs or these jobs that are meant to be dream jobs that end up not being dream jobs. Tell us about that and and kind yeah. of mocking that as well, or your, or your own experience of having jobs that you thought were gonna be dream jobs. Yeah, I mean, I think part of the experience comes from living in Atlanta too. There's like a big emerging film scene there. There's a lot of new media there, a lot of tech companies. So there are a lot of, a lot of jobs that on paper are the coolest thing you can ask for. And then when you get there, you realize that you're actually working at Turner, which is a corporation, which is a good job, but you are working at a corporation. And there's a certain dead-endedness to that and maybe you're close to like the projects that you want, you know? I'm in the same building where they worked on Archer, or Squidbillies, or a big movie, but I'm just not in the room over where I want to be. That's where I dreamed of being in. And I think seeing a lot of our friends and having our own experiences of people who are like, I'm in quotes happy, was sort of part of the reason that we wanted to, to do this, to like create this narrative where it's like, you just want to escape the dead end in this. I think a lot of people will relate to the idea that you're like, just one more month and I'll get that and the project will come through and finally I'll feel whole. And it just, it won't, but, yeah, yeah. but I think that's an important thing to, to sort of meditate on. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's kind of articulating a kind of new dead-end job of, you know, of yesteryears, maybe it was something where you went to a dreary office that was mm -hmm. like a windowless room and you were an actuary or something like that that was stultifyingly boring. And now it's this kind of new where we work office style, yes. you know, there's kombucha on tap and there's games and stuff like that, and but it's still miserable and right. you're still just like... There's a great line in it where the main character goes, and I thought to myself, is it too late to go back to school? <laughs> Which is very funny. Um, so, yeah, that was interesting to see that in the context of a mockumentary. Doing kind of a mockumentary, what drew you to that as opposed to, you know, some other just straight up comedic project that wasn't, you know, in that kind of quotation marks of... So we, we had planned on, a, like, two versions of it. We had mm -hmm. planned on one that was a mockumentary, and then we sort of wrote out one that was, like, traditional. Mm -hmm. And, like, that third-person kind of camera isn't a character as much. But we had already done stuff with the camera really being a character and really having its perspective. And we had experience doing that and we didn't have a ton of experience doing the other. Mm -hmm. And we just wanted to play to our strength. Like we had already come out with these sketches that worked pretty well, that had that feel, that mm -hmm. mockumentary feel. If I could go back with 10 million more dollars, yeah. I'd want to do it in that third person sort of thing. But a, a big part of it was that we wanted to get it done and we knew we could get it done filming it the way that we did with that mockumentary style. And once we sort of felt that, you know, this could be done in a year, we were like, let's do it. We don't want to spend another six months waiting on someone to maybe approve a budget that, again, basically puts you back at that day job where you're just waiting for someone else to say yes. So why Bigfoot? Well, we hadn't really seen any creature. We had seen a lot of documentary, mockumentary, horror, comedy even. That's like a pretty big genre on its own. Not really anything in the creature feature, sort of. There's vampires, you know, there's what we do in the shadows. Yeah. There's like all these different sort of pop culture-y monster ones. And we just hadn't seen anything that really did 
Bigfoot in a funny, you know, no like creature, the, the Night at the Black Lagoon. Sort it's of, surprising because Bigfoot is just incredibly popular as a so thing popular. to think about or believe in. A lot of people believe in some what? sort of Yeti. So something we found out upon researching this is that about if you were to go to 10 of your friends right now, I guarantee you one of them secretly really believes in Bigfoot. I would say at least. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> my friends probably way higher. But, uh, yeah, I think that that's definitely true, which is, I mean, and then when I was watching this movie, I had the the feeling like I kind of was like, "Do I believe in Bigfoot?" And, I, and <laughs> yeah. I'm not really sure, actually. What about you? Do you? What do you think? I think there's a magic to it, like yeah. especially with Bigfoot, because like with vampires and all these other monsters, they're, they're a little overexposed. There's so many versions and iterations of them that it's like our imaginations are. I feel a little bit done with them. Whereas Bigfoot, no one's ever actually cited it, mm -hmm. and so he can remain mythological. Like the the promise of him being out there still does remain. No one can prove that he doesn't exist. And aren't there spottings all over the world of oh, some yeah. iteration of Oh, yeah, Bigfoot? all over the place. Yeah, there's South America. There's a whole Yeti version of it in Russia. There's... Did it peak at some point? I couldn't tell you. I think I think it peaked in really. I think it peaked in the Northwest. Right. That was when it when like several videos came out mm -hmm. back in like the '60s. Mm -hmm. There was one called the Patterson Gimli mm -hmm. footage. Uh, which is where you can see a guy running down and he sees it, you know, 100 yards away and it walks away from him. Do you mean like the Bigfoot fad? I yeah, think, like, you know, well, like alien abductions in a certain uh, era yeah. became like the thing. It's, you know, it's part of a reflection of what, you know, society is most anxious about or, you know, yeah. what monsters are we scared of right now or do we think about? But Bigfoot's kind of fun because he's not particularly threatening. He's no. by himself. He's just out there. He doesn't no. want to be found. In some cases, he's a guardian. He's like our forest guardian mm. sort of idea. He protects the, like, the real wild, I guess, is the mm -hmm. idea. And there's something like very sacred about that, like the idea that anyone would just care. About, or that like there'd be a mythical animal because vampires want to suck your blood, werewolves want to eat you. Mm -hmm. Bigfoot, it's like he just wants to hide. Right. Yeah. He's like, please leave me alone and let me hang. So what is next for you? So we got a couple other projects that we're looking to get started. We got a couple on the works. Can you talk about any of them? Yeah. Yeah. We got a couple movies that we're trying to get. Well, one that we're trying to get made. A couple that. A couple scripts that we're batting around. We're looking honestly to go in the same direction on another piece. We'd like to really experiment with this kind of version of something. Mm -hmm. What's a what's like a, a show or a medium, you know, whether it's TMZ, HGTV, that sort of thing. What is that? And then let's frame a narrative inside of it because once we know what it looks like and what we're kind of spoofing, then every time we come up to a question when we're writing, we just go, what would ABC do? Mm -hmm. What would TMZ do? And you just have your next answer. It lends itself <laughs> to speed. And I think speed is actually really important in filmmaking. A lot of people, I think, would be really frustrated that I say that. Mm. But I think a lot of ideas die with time. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of you're like, oh, I got the fire, I got the juice, I want to make this. And it, it dies when you wait a little too long. So are I you going to stay in Atlanta to work? Or are you going to, what are you going to do? I think so. I, th I mean, I think we'd like to shoot our stuff in Atlanta, definitely. I mean, moving wherever. I, you know, I'd love to move to LA, love to move to New York. They're all, they're all great. I mean, shooting-wise, I think convenience, Atlanta, definitely. Mm -hmm. That's something that no matter where we ended up, what we've learned there in terms of shooting and like what we're able to do with just the location and then like, and just additional resource rentals, camera people, producers in town like yeah. we just have a big network to call upon there so i think we're gonna you're gonna see us still doing projects there how will um people be able to watch this movie we have no plans for a release yet mm -hmm. but when we do you can visit the vice guide to the bigfoot on facebook and on twitter and we're going to be releasing wherever it's going to be streaming or being a theatrical release whatever we're doing with it you're gonna find out there great okay.
Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, yeah, thank you guys for having me yeah, on. I yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And good luck. Thank you. Appreciate Do we say good luck or break a leg? Right, whatever you want. Whatever feels good. All right. Okay. Well, we enjoyed it. Thank you.